Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Kona Shame Podcast. Guys, this is a great episode. I am so excited about it. This is a good friend of mine, Dr. Philip Richmond. He's in today talking about um, substance abuse and recovery and how we take the skills and the things that seem to work there and transfer them over to managing the stress and the uncertainty of dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic in our practices, which I know is uh, affecting a lot of people, myself included, uh, these days. And so I just, this is a great conversation. It kind of rolls over a wide variety of topics. There's lots of great stories and insights here from Dr. Richmond. I just, I think you're going to really, really like this. If you do like it, uh, please take a moment, it would mean the world to me, uh, to hop over to iTunes and write an honest review of the Kona Shame podcast. I love it when people do that. It uh, it means a lot. If you do that, if you want to go write us an honest review, you can shoot me an email at podcast at drandywork.com and say, hey, I wrote a review. Could you give my text a shout out and tell me who I should give a shout out to? And I would do that for you. It will make my day to get a review from you. Uh, hopefully, it'll make somebody else's day if they get a shout out from me. It makes my day to uh, to lift people up and just do nice things for people. So you'd be doing me a great favor. I really appreciate it, guys. In this episode, my friend, Doctor Philip Richmond. Let's get into it. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We wanna help you in your veterinary career welcome to the cone of shame with dr andy rourke hey dr philip richmond how are you man uh doing good dr rourke how are you i'm doing well i'm doing really well thanks for being on with me i appreciate it appreciate you having me oh yeah always so uh you and i have known each other for many years we met back in vet school mm-hmm. at florida um, we've been in touch since then. Uh, you, I, I'm going to, I'm going to say nice things about you now. That's going to make you uncomfortable. It's true. You are one of the people who is quietly doing wonderful, meaningful work in our profession. You are really doing uh, as much as anybody I know with uh, wellness and mental health in our profession, and uh, specifically in the uh, in the arena of of substance abuse, which is something that we don't talk a lot about in our profession. We have reason to believe is probably a significant problem in our profession. Um, but but you are really in the trenches, and you are really doing stuff uh, that is incredible. And I just want to tell you that you inspire me, and you make me want to work harder. Uh, and and do a better job uh, of of sort of championing these causes. So uh, so I just want to say thank you for all that you're doing. Yeah, I, re- I really appreciate that, and uh, well, gr- grateful to hear that. Thank you. Well, my pleasure. So we're gonna um, let's talk a little bit because your area of expertise is uh, in substance abuse. You are a practicing veterinarian, like mm-hmm. you you know what you know what what the trenches are like. You're in vet medicine. Like you, you get it. You know the people, you know the players, you know the life, uh, and you're actively living the life. And you talk a lot about substance abuse and, and helping support veterinarians and vet professionals that are, are wrestling with that. What I wanted to do a little bit was talk about an article that I saw that you, uh, you and I had kind of kicked back and forth and discussed. It's in Psychology Today. It's how the wisdom of, a, of 12-step programs can help get us through April. And it's kind of the idea of taking sort of 12-step programs that we see with substance abuse and applying principles of that to, um, to well, just general wellness in the, in the upcoming month as a lot of us are sheltering in place or we're uh, wrestling with the uncertainty of COVID-19 and things like that. And so uh, um, 
what do you think? Can, can we, can we kind of start to walk through that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Let's go. Cool. Well then let's, um, let's kick it off. So, uh, wisdom, wisdom of a 12 step program. When I say that, how do you think the, well, so give us, give us a mile high, uh, overview of kind of what programs like this with substance abuse look like, yeah. uh, and their general, general purpose and use. So really, if we, you know, for, for the vast majority of us, if we think about alcohol and substance use disorder, if we think about that as a mental illness, which it is, but it, it's really the same thing that we've been talking about in veterinary medicine as far as our, you know, mental health and well-being. And what happens for a lot of us is, you know, not to get too, too deep into it, um, a lot of us have some things that happen in childhood and that sort of thing that we, as we grow up, you know, when we're younger, um, we end up trying to treat those feelings and try to feel better artificially um, and change mm-hmm. our brain chemistry that way. And it just sticks with us. You know, it's a tool that early on works. Um, you know, it helps with that pain and that discomfort and those challenges. And, um, and then when we get into veterinary medicine, all of the things that we talk about as far as like the Merck well-being study and the concerns that we have, a lot of us don't have any good I mean, a lot of us in veterinary medicine don't have great tools to address that. And then if we've been using alcohol or substances to, to treat that, we can move forward with it. So the, the use, you know, it, we can kind of get down that rabbit hole of getting focused on what we're using to change it. But the bottom line is, what are we trying to change? And right. so we all share those, you know, those underlying feelings, you know, that I'm not good enough, that fear of failure, that fear of success. You know, I mean, I had both of those and, you know, good luck putting your head on your pillow at night and getting some sleep with fear of success and fear of failure rattling right. in your head. Um, but so what I'm getting at is what 12 step programs do is essentially, you know, it, it's very much, I do a lot of work in positive psychology and it's your, the, the things that, that you get from it. I was able to look at a lot of the thought processes that I had, mm-hmm. realize that a lot of the beliefs that I had about the way the world was, wasn't true. Um, I learned how to think of others before myself, you know, really trying to be of service and being of service in a healthy way, you know, not taking on too much of other people's things and, uh, you know, and, and not being able to take care of my own stuff. And then having a, having some meaning and purpose, you know, what I was, I I was suicidal in in 2008 when I came into the program and I was working 80 hours a week. I was, you know, I was drinking every night and I was like, is this all there is? You know, am I, have I just spent 10 years of my life going through school? Um, and this is my reward. And I was like, I was crushed. And I'm like, this is what I'm going to be doing for the next 30 years. And I don't think I can make it. Yeah. So it's, it's learning a lot of these tools, learning gratitude, learning mindfulness. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff that's taught in positive psychology and well-being. Um, and it's just, I don't necessarily say packaged, but it's, it's in a way that was more, um, you know, in a, in a, in a lay person's kind of way. But the bottom line is the tools that we get from 12-step programs result in better well-being. Um, you know, we're able to, when crises happen, we're able to sit with those and, and process it. So we can go through some of those, uh, you know, some of those tools in the article if you'd like. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do. Yeah. Okay. Where do you want to start? Um, it, well, number one on that was letting go of control, uh, you know, and really realizing getting a, a firm grasp on what's, what's inside my hula hoop. You know, what, what are the things that I genuinely have control over? Um, and what are the, you know, 
not things that I think that I should have control over or that I want to have control over, but what can I actually do something actionable about and change yeah. right in that moment versus, you know, worrying about things that I don't, I don't have any control over. And I used to think that if I wasn't worrying about those things that I didn't care about it and realizing that that's not, not the case. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm spending that emotional energy and that spiritual energy on something that I can't change. So let's focus, you know, let's put my energy or put our energy in a place yeah. where we can do the most good. Yeah. That, that's been the biggest thing for me recently is, is trying to focus on what I can actually control. And you find yourself just spinning out yeah. into what happens if this happens and what happened if this person gets sick, right. what happens if my wife gets sick? What about my kids? Mm-hmm. And you go, right. all I can do is take all the precautions that I can take. Mm-hmm. That that's it. Everything mm-hmm. else is just a mental exercise that goes nowhere. Yeah. And, and being able to shed that weight that, that, that was, that was huge for me as far as um, being able to get my head around this. I think the vast majority or the the vast majority of real interpersonal problems that I have seen in the last two or three weeks are people grappling for control. Mm-hmm. And I think you see a lot of people, all of a sudden people are being micromanaged or they're being, you know what I mean? They feel like they're being, um, nagged or, or these other things. And I think a lot of us are just trying to feel like our lives are in control when they haven't been. And mm-hmm. so being able to let go of those sorts of things, I, I think that that's, I think that's a, a big deal for all of us. You yeah. Know, the, the other part that, that you said on that, which, which I think is really important, you know, guys, I, I feel like we have as a society, I think a lot of it's because of social media and stuff. We, over the last 10 years or so, seem to focus more and more on what people think and believe than what they actually do. And so there's people on social media saying, well, I believe this and I think that and this is what's important. And it's because the internet doesn't have real things in it. It only has, it only has people's written down thoughts and ideas. And so we communicate with our thoughts and we put all this value on our thoughts and what we believe and what we say to the world. And as a result, I feel like we value what we actually do less. And so, for example, like in the field of mental health, you have people who are on the internet all day long talking about it. And they have people like yourself who are quietly out there doing it. And, and I think the, the people who are talking about it get a lot of, a lot of attention while the people doing it are probably doing, doing more good in the world. And these the same thing here. There's a lot of things that we, we talk about, we want to, we worry about, you see, you know, a, a lot of angst and anxiety online. The fact that you're not filling your mind with that or that you're not having those thoughts or entertaining those thoughts all day long, but you are instead working on the things you can actually control. That doesn't mean you don't care. It just means that you are exerting your energy where you can actually do something. And I just, I feel like that's become more rare in our world. And I just want to call it out and say, it's not, it's not lazy. It's not, it's not, not worrying about things outside of your control is not putting your head in the sand. Those things are not the same. And I I see them conflated sometimes. No, you can, you can say, we're not going to cross that bridge until we come to it. That doesn't mean you don't care. It just means that you have other things that are a higher priority you have to work on first. Right. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I've got a sign in my office and it says, don't believe everything you think. And that is a, that one of the best 
things or one of the most powerful tools that I got from uh, recovery was just that is thinking that every belief that I had or everything that popped in my head was accurate, you know, was that that was the truth. And so really taking those thoughts to court and saying, okay, well, what, what evidence do I really have that, you know, that's true. And so it's not that those things don't keep popping in my head, but it's okay. They're coming in. I don't have to, you know, let's put them through the, through the toll booth first and, you know, check and see if, see if they can cross in or not. Oh yeah. I think that's great. I think the other, the other thought to have is, is this thought valuable? Yeah. You know, I can get mad and I can get resentful of a mm-hmm. lot of things. It doesn't do me any good. Yeah. You know, it, it, I just started trying to come up with examples like jumping on my wife's back about, you know, I don't know, whatever, um, uh, you know, not making up the bed in the morning and leaving it for mm-hmm. me to do every single day. I can wake up and, and obviously it's the anxiety of the world that's making me feel uh, feel anxious or feel nervous or whatever. It's also this desire for control of, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you do this thing. Right. It's not. That's not. Trust me when I say that's not helpful. That's yeah. not gonna go well. It's not. It doesn't change our situation. It doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. I can instead just choose to be kind, compassionate, to get over this, to to ask her about it if it really bothers me. Yeah. But. But just because um, I have a thought doesn't doesn't mean that I have to that I have to act on it and just say this 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 isn't valuable, right? It doesn't it doesn't help me to go to this negative place, even if sometimes it might be justified. Yeah, um, you know, and it brings up you know we hear that term time management, and one of the things that really is effective is energy management. Is is just, is this worth way exactly what you just said? Is this worth the energy that I'm going to put into it? Am I going to, am I going to reap something back or am I just expending energy on this? Um, you know, and, and not getting, uh, not getting anything uh, back in return. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a great way to think about it because it is, ener- it is energy. Like I think a lot of us feel completely threadbare at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And it's just because in the background, our cortisol levels are, are spiked, oh, yeah. you know, all day long. And we're running down these mental paths that aren't, that aren't beneficial. They aren't productive. You know, mm-hmm. and I see, um, I see people uh, who are really into the news and they want to know everything that's going on. And I, I'm not going to tell people that's not a bad idea. I will tell you for me, I have clearly identified that as a, poor use of my energy. You know, I, it, the information that I need to, uh, to make the good decisions on the local level in my house, in the practice, things like that. Uh, that doesn't take me very long to get that information. Anything beyond that is, uh, it's a, it takes a psychological toll on me. It's a lot of energy, you know, it's a lot of stress and I'm just not seeing a return on that investment of energy. And Mm -hmm. so cutting that stuff out, uh, cutting down on social media, spending more time with my kids, uh, spending more time just head down in the books, uh, spending more time just uh, sitting with the technicians and talking to them about what's important. Those are things that have been really good uses of my time and energy. Yeah. Yeah. And that was everything, you know, just really what resonated with, with me, what you were saying is, uh, you know, my experience was I, I was, I was in an, inpatient treatment facility in 2008. Um, and I was forced to not, not be able to respond to the world around me, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's very much like, 
the situation we're in now. And it was, it, you know, narrowed my focus to, okay, I'm still going for, you know, my life is still going on and I can't control all these things. And I was really able to focus in on, you know, just like now is, yeah, I mean, my, you know, my kids are here, my wife is safe right now. You know, we're, you know, it, it, if, if I'm open to it, it, it allows me to focus on exactly what, what I can, you know, put my energy in, you know, in the things that I love and get, get return on. Yeah. Is that, is that by design in, in sort of recovery programs for substance abuse that you try to limit outside um, noise? Yeah, it, it is. It's a lot of us have that. I mean, all of us, or I shouldn't say all of us, but most of us have that challenge, you know, that mind chatter that, you mm-hmm. know, that's going on, but you know, you may have heard of that, the phrase one day at a time. Um, mm-hmm. And that is, you know, how do we live, you know, live in the present and live right now. Um, you know, there was a, there, there's a, there's a good story and uh, you know, in the rooms of recovery and this goes, this woman sits down and she's just weeping uncontrollably. And, you know, the man sitting next to her says, you know, why, why are you crying? And she says, I, I just don't know how I'm not going to drink at my daughter's wedding. And it's like, well, honey, we live one day at a time. Let me ask you this though. I mean, how old is your daughter? She's three. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. So, you know, it's, yeah. but it's that, it's, you know, it's that kind of that projection just, you know, makes us bananas sometimes. Yeah. One, one of my favorite yeah. stories to tell is, is the Navy SEAL story, which I tell a lot, mm. but it's from, um, it's from that book Lone Survivor. And there was mm-hmm. a Mark Wahlberg movie too, but yeah. But in, in the book, the guy, so it's a true story. The guy talks about being uh, in Navy SEAL uh, at, at the BUDS training, you know, the intensive Navy SEAL training and stuff. And they, it's a 10-week program. And the last week is hell week, right? So that's supposed mm-hmm. to be, it's a whole week. They don't get to sleep. I mean, they're, they're literally like five guys rowing a boat. And so four of them are rowing and one of them is sleeping for 20-minute shifts while the other guys are rowing. Like that's how, that's as much sleep as they get. It's, it's ridiculous. It's incredible. Right. And so, so they're going through this, you know, and, and, and they get to the first day of hell week um, and the, the, the machine guns are all going off and like they're, they're out in the middle of the night and they're working out and they're doing this stuff. It's the first day. Right. And all these guys get up and go ring the bell to quit and drop out. And the narrator at one point talks to one of the ex, uh, experienced Navy SEALs and says, why don't all those guys ring the bell on the first day? Right. It, it, it was awful. But it was no more awful than other days we've had in the past. What kills you in Hell Week is the fact that it's, you know, seven consecutive days. So while these guys ring the bell on the first day, and then and the Navy SEAL instructor says, they kept thinking about all that was in front of them. You know, they thought about the next six days, and I can't keep this up, and I'll never make it. And the guy had said to him, if you want to make it, focus on getting through the next 10 minutes. Yep. You know? Get on the next half an hour at most, but what am I doing right now? And what do I have to do for the next 10 minutes? Mm -hmm. And if you keep your head down, you will look around on day six or seven and you will have made it. And so my wife and I talk about that all the time. We call it Navy sealing it. And I'll say it to uncharted people all the time. Uh, Guys, we got a Navy seal this, which means we cannot look at the whole picture. You know, how do you eat an elephant as one bite at a time? Yeah. And so I think the same thing for all of us who are managing the stress and looking ahead. And it's easy to get overwhelmed by these ideas of like, how do we get out of this? You know, like, like how does this end? When does life go back to normal? What's going to prevent things from continuing to be this way or blah, blah, blah. Or what if this happens or what if that happens? 
I don't know what the future is going to bring. And I don't think any of us do. I think one of the things of being able to let go of that and say, I know what the next hour is going to bring. It's you and me talking and trying to do a good job with what we're doing right now. And then after that, it's me engaging with the kids and making sure that their homework is done so that I can go on and do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, again, it it goes back to energy management. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, something that I, I know you feel strongly about that, you know, that happened to me in that article was, uh, it's in social connections, um, which in, in the realm of positive psychology and the, in the perma well-being model, that is the, this, uh, researcher, um, from uh, Harvard, he said, I, I can know if I can only know one thing about you to, to know what your level of happiness is, it would be the quality of your relationships. Yeah. And, and that's what, I mean, I, you know, we were talking a little bit about zoom meetings and I mean, that is something I'm so grateful that I have on a, on a nightly basis that I can sit, sit down and then talk to people about spiritual principles. And when, one of the things that I think, you know, is a, is a little bit misconstrued and, you know, when you're not in 12 step recovery is the majority of the talk isn't about, you know, how do we stay away from picking up a drink and those, t- I mean, those are important, but it's what got us here in the first place. You know, it's, it's this stuff, you know, it's that, that gut level, you know, those feelings and emotions and, you know, and beliefs and, you know, how can, how can I change those through positive action? Yeah. Um, and so it's just a very good reminder when all this stuff is going on, you know, how, how can I be of service to my fellows? You know, how can I, how can I go, go out and, you know, and, and try to be the best husband that I can be, or try to be the best veterinarian that I can be. And we, you know, we come up short, but, and that's where it gets into one day at a time. And then, you know, if I do make a mistake, I've got a process to go, you know what, I could have done that better. I probably owe that person, you know, an amends and, you know, going up yeah. and then what does that do? It repairs that relationship because I never you know that was that was a big thing that I got from you know from this the program is going through and repairing at least as best I could not just forgiving people for what I had thought that was done to me but how how can I repair anything that I may have done to them and it's you know it's now I don't I don't have that you know that sick feeling that sometimes we do you know oh there there's Johnny you know from high school I don't want to talk to that guy yeah, you know, I just genuinely don't don't have those kind of things in uh, you know in my life anymore, which is which is beautiful. But oh, the, yeah. the power of those those relationships, where jokingly we we say in our group, like the good news is none of us are messed up in the head all at the same time. You know, so <laughs> there's always you know, I mean, right now is a little different. Yeah. but you know, but, for the most part, I can pick up the phone and talk to you know talk to somebody who's you know can you know talk you know, Hey, are you doing this? Are you, doing, you know, in just about five minutes we can kind of turn things around. So yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't take much to, ha- to, to check in, you know, um, we had, um, in Jamie Holmes is, uh, a, is a veteran technician who works with me yep. and, uh, and she was calling everybody on our team yesterday. And, and so I answered the phone and she was like, Hey, I don't have anything business related to talk to you about. I just had a couple minutes. And I wanted to see how you were doing and make sure everything was going okay. Yeah. And it was just, it was, it was, it was wonderful that she was doing that and that she was sort of checking in on, on, on the gang. Um, that, that stuff matters. It doesn't have to be a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a book by this guy, David Brooks. Uh, it's called the second mountain. And uh, the, I, I'm not recommending the book. 
I did. It wasn't as good as I hoped it would be. Um, but but the premise is excellent. And so the premise, his idea is there's this mountain, right, that we all see in society, and it's like uh, it's like uh, career success or material wealth or social status. You know what I mean? It's whatever you perceive success to be uh, in your life. You know, and it's mostly those materialistic things that we see on Instagram or, you know what I mean? Um, that's sort of held up in the movies and it's, it's the status symbol car or whatever, whatever it is, everybody's got that mountain and it may look a little bit differently, but it's, it's superficial generally and materialistic or, or social status related or career status related. And that's the first mountain. And what Brooke says is that everyone sort of starts off after that mountain and one of two things happens to you. You either don't make it to the top and you go, this is, I can't do this, you know? And, um, you, uh, you either, you either don't make it up there and you stop or you, um, guys, I'm going to pause right here. Uh, (laughs) Phil had to, uh, he's going to turn off his kids stories. He's going back. Let's not, let's not act like anything happened. And uh, you, um, so, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just totally paused and told everybody that you had to go turn oh. off your kids' stories. Uh, that's it. like we're all managing the the craziness. You know, there was uh, there's dogs barking over here. There's uh, dogs barking over there. There's kids have come into both of our rooms. Yeah. while we're talking, like don't think that we aren't <laughs> feeling the stress. So, all right, hold on. Let me jump into the story. Yeah. So, Brooke says one of two things happens. You either don't make it up the mountain, and you go, "This is crap." I, I'm not, I'm never going to make it. And if I'm not going to make it, what does that mean about me? Or what does that mean about my life? Or what does that mean about what I'm doing? Or you do make it to the top and you get to the top and you go, this is not fulfilling, right? Like this is not meaningful. What's next, you know? And either way, whether you try to get to the top of the mountain and go like, this is ridiculous. I can't make this. This is, this is, I'm just not going to be a billionaire. Or if you do get to the top of the mountain, you go, I am a billionaire. What now? Like, why do I get out of the bed in the morning? Either way, you realize that first mountain is a joke. And so what do you do? You look at the second mountain and the second mountain for him is interpersonal relationships, right? It's that, it's that fabric of interconnectivity and interwovenness. And, um, and he just makes a really compelling argument that that is the meaning of life. You know what I mean? Is, is that interconnectedness with other people? It's what you mean to other people and, uh, and what they mean to you. And one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot recently, you know, you go through things like this and you do learn who your friends are. You know what I mean? Uh, my brother talks about friends and friendship and he says, you know, I've got a bunch of people who would totally meet me on Friday to, you know, to, to watch a movie or to, to get a beer after work, you know, those people are a dime a dozen. How many people do you have that will help you come and move? You know, how many people do you have that'll be there when you're depressed and they'll show up? You know what I mean? Like those are the relationships that matter. Those are, those are your lifelines. Those buoy you up. But if you want to have those relationships, you've got to, you've got to take responsibility and make those relationships. And that means, that means prioritizing them reaching out, supporting other people that you, that you want to have those relationships with. Yeah. hundred percent. Cool. Yeah. And that, that really, what you said about, um, you know, that second mountain that, Oh man, that resonated. That was, that was exactly how I felt, you know, in vet school. It's just like, just 
if I just get those letters after my name, if I just do this, this, that external thing is going to make me happy. And it was just bone crushing when, when it wasn't, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I went through that. Um, I went through that just a year or so ago. I, I, Mm. I really did a a bad spot there about a year ago. And it was because I was the latter. Like I got essentially to the top of the mountain in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Like professionally, I got beyond where I ever thought that my career would be and everything. And then I was like, what am I doing here? You know, like what is, I still got to, you know what I mean? Like what, what is it? What does this mean? And, um, it was sort of that refocusing. I think that we all kind of go through that at some point and yeah. we just think, what am I, what am I doing here? And so I think that interconnectivity and that inner, yeah. uh, interrelatedness, those relationships, I, I just, yeah. I, I don't think we can overstate what, what that means. And so right. if you're listening to this and you're like, Oh man, I, you know, I, I, how do I connect with people? How do I build those relationships now? You know, uh, you can start with, you can start with just a good old fashioned phone call and say, Hey, I got some downtime and just thought I'd catch up or, you know what I mean? Or honestly, zoom calls, uh, is or what I love is just that, that being able to see that person when you talk really seems to, to mean yeah. a lot, but it's also a great time. If you're still working in the clinic and you're working with a team, checking in on those guys and asking them about themselves, you know what I mean? And, and just sort of starting to know the people around you better. It's mm-hmm. a small thing. You're there anyway. It makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Great exercises you know, sitting, if somebody pops in your head that did something nice for you or helped your career or did whatever it is, just take, take five minutes to send them a text message and just go, you know, I was thinking about this specific thing that you did for me. It made a a big change in my life. And I I don't, I don't think I've ever taken the time to thank you for it. And just during this time, it means a lot to me that, that you did it and it helps that person. It helps us and strengthens, strengthens that relationship. People just don't realize that you can send um, a a powerful happiness missile at people. You know what I mean? And it's like, I have done that many times. It's just, if you want to feel good about yourself, just um, about yourself, seriously, if you want to feel good about Mm -hmm. yourself, just decide that once a day, you are just going to write someone a nice email for no reason. And you're just going to say, I was just thinking about you. And I just wanted to tell you that um, every time I see this funny thing, I think of you because of the time that we went hiking together and you said this. And I'll always remember you that way. And I'm just glad that you're my friend. Yeah. And just like, it's a paragraph. And man, people, like you, people will call you crying. And you know, it's just yeah. so many of us just, we would just love to have that. And you know, and just, hey, you probably don't remember this, but you helped me, you know, whenever I, I have sent, uh, there's a dermatologist that I have sent letters to a number of times because she was the head of the dermatology rotation when my daughter was born in vet school. Mm. And so, um, you know, so, so my wife, uh, delivered our, our baby and I was on rotations in vet school and she was like, you know, what? don't worry about it. <laughs> you should just go home. And, <laughs> I have always been grateful for that. Like that was such a wonderful gift that she gave to me. And I, I multiple times I've just written and said, you probably don't remember me. Um, but you, I was on rotations and my wife had a baby and you did this. And I just want to tell you, she's five years old now. And oh. I still remember that you did that for me. And so anyway, I, that, I want to share, share a quick story. Cause yeah, I, yeah. Think we're, I think we're probably going to talk about the same person. I was at, when I was on my derm rotation, mm-hmm. my truck got broken into and, they stole my stethoscope, my book bag, 
and everything. And I went up and I was just, and I literally like, I was broke in vet school and I was just like, I was tearing up when I was telling her this yeah. and she goes, come into my office. And she pulls out her, her Littman cardiology stethoscope that's still <laughs> in the box. She goes, you know, I got this when I graduated and she goes, what the hell am I going to do with it? I'm a dermatologist. <laughs> and I still, I still have it. And, and I do the same thing. I send her a message on Facebook and say, you know what? I just got a new bell for the, for the stethoscope. I'm just great. You know, I just, I was thinking about you and I just, I'm really grateful that you did that. It was very God, fun. that's so great. Yeah. 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 So anyway, that, like that stuff, right. People like people print, they'll print it out and put it on the wall and they should, you know, just, mm-hmm. Anyway, it, it's, it's an easy thing to do. You know, it ties into one of the other principles in a lot of these programs, which is service to others. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it really is that, um, you know, the Buddhists say the meaning of life is to reduce suffering, right? Like that's the meaning of life is uh, reduce suffering. And obviously the way through the way to do that is, is, uh, is service to others, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's trying to make other people's, um, lives better. That that's, yeah. that's really what I, I kind of have come to this belief that life is kind of this, this game with no scoreboard and no final boss. And that's kind of how I think about it. It's, yeah. it's kind of a, I guess that's a weird idea, but that's how I think about it. And so you go, well, what's the point as well? It's to have fun playing a game with no scoreboard and no boss. And, to make the game better for other people. And, and I think, I really do think that that's kind of, kind of the key for all of it. But again, like you talk about things that we can control. I can't control what um, border control does to control disease spread. And I can't control what my clients do as far as their own protection and whether or not they come into the vet hacking and sneezing. What I can do is um, take care of my staff and serve the hell out of them and what I can do is find people who need my help and, and help them. And that, you know, that's dropping off a homemade dinner on the porch of my in-laws or, yeah. you know, or, um, you know, or, 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 or just honestly, right now, there's so much you can do to help people out who mm-hmm. can't get out and get around. Um, you know, just, just <laughs> mowing my elderly neighbor's lawn and, you know, like I can, I can do that stuff and it yeah. means the world uh, to her. And so uh-huh. anyway, I, I just, I think that it's amazing how much better we can feel about ourselves and our lives and our position by knowing that we have the power to help someone else. Absolutely. Um, it, do we have, we have time for me to tell a quick, always quick man. pay it forward story. So definitely. Yeah. So when I came in, you know, this was back in 2008, I come into, I come into the program. I'm, I'm in, I'm in a 12 step recovery meeting. I've been in, treatment for maybe about four hours and you know my my mind is going in a hundred different directions I'm panicked I'm broke I'm scared I don't know what's going to happen I got a lot of shame because of what I do for you know I'm, I'm thinking what are you know my failure like what are what are people going to think of me and in the door walks a guy that was a resident when I was a student and that feeling that I got where I wasn't alone. Um, I, I just, that it was, it meant so much to me that, I mean, that's really the, I mean, and what he did for me, um, mm-hmm. he ended up sponsoring me and, you know, really walking me through these, you know, these steps and showing me, you know, a lot of these tools that he used. Um, and it was just the feeling that I, 
I got from him that I wasn't alone. Um, yeah. I think we can, we can frame that in whatever it is that we suffer from. Cause it's, it's just, you know, addiction or, or substance use disorder. And a lot of these things there, I mean, the diseases of isolation, diseases of loneliness and diseases of separation, you know, like you don't know what I'm going through or, you know, or because I'm this way, I must not be part of the, the tribe mm-hmm. and nothing could be further from the truth. And so I, you know, I remember getting that the first time that I got to, that someone knew me and didn't, didn't know that I was coming in the room and I was able to do that for them, you know, as a, you know, as a colleague, yeah, um, just meant the world to me. So. Well, I think, I think that medicine set up to foster feelings of isolation, right? I mean, I, I think at least, especially I think in the independent practices, right. It may be different in corporate stuff. I, I don't, I don't know what that feels like exactly, but you know, in, in a lot of our practices, we're in this silo, right. And we, we don't really cross communicate with other practices and stuff. And, you know, you may be the only doctor in a, in a one doctor practice and you feel very, very alone. Or even if there's a couple other doctors in your practice, you're still working there and you're kind of by yourself and you don't really necessarily want to show weakness to the other doctors or things like that. And I just, I feel like there's so many things that force us into this feeling of like, I'm isolated, I'm alone. And, and the yeah. truth is, is that's, that's, that's not the case, yeah. but, um, but we've got to get out and, and connect and support and, yeah. uh, and lift each other up. So, yeah. well, Phil, let's, um, let's talk again before long and let's really, let's really dig into substance abuse and vet medicine and what that is like. Um, because you and I have been talking about that for about a year as far as, um, how do we, how do we shed some light on this problem? How do we raise awareness of this problem? One of my big things is, is how do we, uh, create and support a safe path for people who have problems with substance abuse so that they can come back, they can keep their livelihood and, and they can get the help they need. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's, that's something I'm very excited about. And you're, you're, doing uh as much or more than than anybody that i know in that in that regard and so thank you again for that uh where can people find you or learn more about you uh so i'm the i'm very grateful to be the chair of the florida veterinary medical association uh, well-being and uh, wellness committee um i think my contact information is is there um but you can you can always contact me through the fema uh and you know very grateful to be a part of a lot of a lot of projects uh, going on. It's just exciting what seeing what our profession is doing to lift everybody up. Um, but yeah, if you if you need to get in contact with me, that I don't have my own website or anything. But if you if you contact me through the FEMA, you can you can get in touch cool. with me. Thanks, yeah. man. Thanks for being here. Yep. Thank you, brother. Hey, take care, everybody. We'll see you later on. Right. Bye bye.